I'm Gerard Rogers with Rogers Ranch in Castroville, Texas, and you're listening to the latest news in Texas, agriculture on Texas Ag Today. Welcome to Texas Ag Today, a daily look at the latest news in Texas agriculture. Texas Ag Today is produced by the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network with the largest farm news team in the Lone Star State. Now here's the host of Texas Ag Today, Carrie Martin. Hello, Texas. We've got another week rolling, and I've got another episode rolling for you of Texas Ag Today. All you got to do is jump on in with me and buckle up. We're going to take a ride around the Lone Star State as we cover the most important industry in this greatest state in the nation, Texas agriculture. In the news today, we may have a rough winter on the way, and Texas High Plains dairy farmers are ready for it. We'll have more on that coming up to kick off today's show. My name is Kerry Martin. I'm your host along with the largest and most experienced farm news team in the Lone Star State. And we're all standing by to bring you the latest news in Texas agriculture. From the Piney Woods of East Texas to the Rocky Ranges of the Trans-Pecos. And from the Panhandle down to the Rio Grande Valley. Texas A&M AgriLife is gearing up for a big move in the Texas High Plains. I'm James Hunt, and we'll talk about that on Texas Ag Today. Overcoming barriers to U.S. red meat trade in Southeastern Asia. I'm Tom Nicoletti, and I'll have more from the U.S. Meat Export Federation on Texas Ag Today. Texas Agriculture Matters is a theme promoted by the Texas Department of Agriculture as it communicates to the larger public. I'm Gary Joyner, and I'll have details on Texas Ag Today. We'll have those stories plus Texas wildlife news and a complete look at the markets all coming up. Winter will officially be here in a couple of weeks, but Texas High Plains dairy farmers are prepared for what could be a tough winter. Darren Turley is the executive director for the Texas Association of Dairymen. Well, we're really lucky, especially up here in the High Plains where we're at today, that most of our producers are really uh, prepared as far as running the operation and uh, wind breaks and things in place. And so we'll also see some uh, hay being stacked and, you know, and, and, to con- and for additional wind breaks and things like that. If we're really seeing a, a, a really big snow event come in, we'll move some things around. But uh, most of the operations are functioning pretty well. We'll bed cattle. We'll do things that we have to do with gin trash and burrs and things like that to help the cows lay on a dry, warm spot to save that heat and keep them healthy, those type of things. So we're uh, we're pretty acclimated to the to the climate. You know, it's not new up here, and understand kind of what we have to do. So hopefully we just don't have to. Hope we have we don't have that bad of a winter again or another real bad ice spell. Turley says forage shortages have been an ongoing problem with two years of drought depleting supplies, especially for corn silage. Texas A&M University Kingsville is helping farmers and ranchers in South Texas with grants and loans for wind turbines and solar energy projects. You might start seeing more wind turbines and solar panels on farms and ranches in South Texas. The University of Kingsville has received a $250,000 grant from the U.S. Department of Agriculture's Rural Energy for America program, to promote the utilization of solar and wind energy by agricultural producers and small rural businesses. With the grant, the university will provide technical services and support to help farmers and ranchers apply for REAP funding. 
They'll provide a renewable energy assessment, energy efficiency audit, and assistance with the REAP grant or loan application. According to the university, they hope to provide technical services to 20 to 25 landowners per year of the grant. REAP grants will cover up to 50% of the total project cost. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Jessica Domel. Fed cattle carcass weights have reached an all-time record high. Carcass weights typically peak in November of each year, but this past November topped them all. The average steer carcass weight was 936 pounds, with heifers at 854 pounds. Genetic selection for growth and advancing mature size has fueled the long-term increase in carcass weights. Also, average feedlot days on feed have slowly increased over recent years. Texas A&M AgriLife is preparing for a big move in the Texas panhandle. James Hunt has more from Amarillo. Construction work is expected to begin next month for the new Texas A&M AgriLife Research and Extension Center on the campus of West Texas A&M. The center's director, Brent Overman, says moving the center from its current Amarillo location to the new facility in Canyon is more than just a simple change of address. It is improving in a really important sense our laboratory capabilities, our meeting space, all of the things that go into our research and extension missions. All of those are going to be enhanced. It's going to be a more efficient footprint. It's also going to be a lot more modern in terms of our capabilities in the laboratory. And Dr. Overman says moving to the university's campus will strengthen AgriLife's relationship with West Texas A&M. Being co-located with the Paul Engler College of Agriculture and Natural Sciences just right down the sidewalk from us is going to be a huge plus. The amount of student traffic that's going to pass through there that we're going to be able to be exposed to so that we can recruit the brightest and best from the Texas Panhandle and those who come to the Texas Panhandle to study. Graduate students are the currency of our research realm and the more of those that we have available to us, the better. We think that we can enhance their job prospects for the long term with high-tech job opportunities. In the meantime, we'll be enriching their educational experiences as well on the West Texas A&M campus. So the co-location aspect for students is just a game changer for us. The other thing that we're going to enjoy about being there and benefit from greatly, we already have active collaborations with the West Texas A&M faculty. It's going to make it easier, more natural, quicker, and we're not going to have to rely so much on technology. The new AgriLife Center is expected to be complete in the summer of 2025. I'm James Hunt on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. The U.S. is targeting Southeast Asia for red meat exports. Tom Nicoletti has more from the recent U.S. Meat Export Federation meeting in New Orleans. The U.S. Meat Export Federation wants to get more aggressive with red meat exports into Indonesia and Malaysia. But barriers to increased trade stand in the way of Texas and other red meat producers. Here is USMEF President and CEO Dan Hallstrom. We're always looking at the opportunities for incremental business, and Southeast Asia, without a doubt, is at the top of the list. And uh, on a beef side, Indonesia, you have several hundred million people in that region. The U.S. share is relatively small, and, and that's not because it's, a de- it's not demand-related. Demand is there, but it's actually a restriction around plant approvals. There's 32 establishments from the U.S. approved compared to over 100 in Australia. 
for comparison. So as it turns out, we have a team uh, from Indonesia and with the U.S. government auditing new plants in the U.S. So this is welcome news. I believe it's nine additional plants are being audited, and hopefully we can see some increased access from plant approvals. Can you quote the numbers so far as how much uh, dollar volume is going into those countries? Well, with Indonesia on the beef side, we're looking at an estimate this year of around $80 million, $80 million. but the opportunity, if we were to able to get increased access from additional plants, could be up to $250 million a year, so, so the upside is immense. Those comments from Dan Hallstrom president and CEO of the U.S. Meat Export Federation. To learn more about the documentation tariffs and other requirements for doing business in Indonesia and Malaysia, go to USMEF's website at usmef.org. I'm Tom Nicoletti with the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Communicating the importance of agriculture to the general public is a top priority of the Texas Department of Agriculture. Gary Joyner visits with the Texas Commissioner of Agriculture, Sid Miller. I'm in Frisco at the 90th Annual Meeting of the Texas Farm Bureau, and I'm pleased to be joined today by the Texas Commissioner of Agriculture, Sid Miller. Uh, Commissioner, you're very interested in in reaching to the larger public. Agriculture is just 1.5% of the United States public, maybe even less in Texas with such a growing state. You're very strong in communicating the larger messages of agriculture through RFD TV, uh, through some other platforms you have. That's important to you. Well, it is. You know, when America was founded, 98% of of the people were farmers. Uh, There was no grocery stores. (laughs) You had to plant it and grow it or kill it or you weren't going to eat. But you know, you're right now, we're less than 2%. So we go from 98% to one and a half, 1.7%, depending on whose figures you use. Uh, so people have kind of forgot where their food comes from. They think it just comes from the grocery store. Heat comes from the furnace, and that's, that's not true. So it's, it's, uh, it's our slogan, is Texas Agriculture Matters. That's the name of our TV show. It's the name of our uh, news magazine. So we strive real hard we, we start with the, the younger grades we've had in, in, introduced the farm fresh program in our schools we send out gardening kits to let those younger kids get some dirt under their fingernails and, and grow some of their own vegetables and learn you know the importance of agriculture even in nascar you'll see some agriculture in the nascar track well we are represented there we have the number 22 truck tim self is, is a is a go texan partner you know, everybody, every sponsor on that car is a Texas company, a, a Go Texan company. They have the Go Texan logo on their on the hood of the car, on, on their uh, 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 uniforms in the pits, and they fly our Go Texan flag. We have a big time with that, and uh, of course, we always serve Texas barbecue and fly the Lone Star flag in the pit. Uh, it, it's it's been a very huge success for our for our for our Go Texan members that want to market to that NASCAR crowd. With agriculture being such a small segment of the U.S. overall population, their voice is important. Organizations like Farm Bureau provide that voice. It's important that they find ways to unite and communicate as a group. Yeah, and and like I said, we we do that. We do some unusual things, the TV show, the NASCAR, reaching out to, you know, 5 million kids with our uh, uh, school lunch program. We do that through community efforts, through you know the, the grants that we send out. We do that through uh, adult feeding programs like Meals on Wheels and work with area food banks. Uh, without agriculture, those food banks wouldn't exist. Neither would Meals on Wheels. I mean, that's uh, that's the connection. People need to get it. Sometimes they don't understand that. 
That's Texas Commissioner of Agriculture, Sid Miller. I'm Gary Joyner in Frisco for the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. The Texas Parks and Wildlife Department is considering a few changes to turkey hunting regulations for 2024-2025. I'm Jessica Domel, and we'll discuss a potential closure coming up on Texas Ag Today. And xylazine is an animal sedative that has now become a popular street drug. Veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd has more on that coming up next, right here on Texas Ag Today. When we moved to Texas, we were like fish out of water. We didn't know anyone in our neighborhood until our Texas Farm Bureau insurance agent came to the house. She was so helpful and reassuring, a friendly face with that Texan hospitality I'd heard about. When we purchased a Texas Farm Bureau insurance policy, we knew we were making the right choice. We knew our family would be protected. Visit Texas Farm Bureau Insurance today at tfbinsurance.com to find an insurance agent who's a true neighbor. Coverage and discounts are subject to qualifications and policy terms and may vary by situation. We're keeping you informed on everything happening in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today. Xylazine is an animal sedative that has now become a popular street drug. Dr. Bob Judge says that could threaten the availability of the drug for veterinarians. Legislation has been proposed in the U.S. Congress this year to help combat the threat of illegal drug use but allow veterinarians to still use the drug. The American Association of Bovine Practitioners and the American Veterinary Medical Association is supportive of the legislation. Dr. Fred Gingrich, executive director of the ABVP, indicates at Drovers.com that this is something critical to bovine veterinarians and cattle producers. He goes on to say ABVP did a survey of their members with over 500 respondents, and the vast majority of them use xylazine on a monthly, daily, or weekly basis, and we want to be able to protect our access to it. The drug is commonly used in the livestock industry, including dairy and beef cattle, for sedation and analgesia for procedures like disbudding, dehorning, and cesarean sections. The drug is also commonly used in small ruminants and horses. Dr. Gingrich goes on to say that in many situations, there are no other options available to take the place of xylazine. The Drug Enforcement Agency, or DEA, indicates that xylazine is known on the street as Trank, and 23% of the fentanyl powder contained the drug in 2022. Humans are very sensitive to the effects of xylazine, as a very small amount can lead to depressed breathing and heart rate, unconsciousness, and even death. Although there are reversals for the drug when used in veterinary medicine, these reversals are not approved in humans, and this drug cannot be reversed with naloxone because it is not an opioid. Dr. Gingrich urges livestock producers to reach out to their representatives in the U.S. Congress and urge them to support this legislation. I'm Dr. Bob Judd. This is the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. The Texas Parks and Wildlife Department is considering a few changes to turkey hunting regulations next year. Jessica Dome will take a look at those changes in today's wildlife report. Due to declining turkey numbers, the Texas Parks and Wildlife Department is considering it closing wild turkey hunting season in several central Texas counties for the 2024-2025 season. 
Sean Oldenberger, TPWD's Small Game Program Director, told the Parks and Wildlife Commission the proposed closure would impact Bell and Williamson counties east of I-35 and all of Milam County. In the last couple of years, the Army Corps of Engineers and surrounding landowners around Granger Lake have asked for us to release some Rio Grande turkeys in that neighborhood. This area now is east of I-35. If anybody that's driven from DFW to San Antonio, you've seen a lot of changes in the last decade east of I-35 with a lot of increase in houses. And so that 35 marker has kind of closed off that population a little bit. We have a lot of birds west of I-35, not so many east of I-35. We actually did have a meeting about this. We had about 40 individuals come, including landowners in the surrounding area, as well as hunters. And the fair amount of consensus was amongst those groups was to actually close Bell County, Williamson County, east of I-35, and all of Milam County to turkey hunting for the next few years while we do a restoration process and release a bunch of Rio Grande turkeys in this landscape to see how well they do. Uh, Usually we do this for about five years and then kind of go back and look at population status to see if closures will continue. But more than likely, this will be a a formal proposal we bring back to you in January with closing this area to act turkey hunting for restoration purposes. Again, that potential proposal would impact Bell and Williamson counties east of I-35 and all of Milam County. The Texas Parks and Wildlife Department is expected to bring that proposal to the commission in January for their consideration. If approved at that time, a public comment period will open. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Jessica Domel. It's time to check the markets. We'll be back with a complete look at the livestock, cotton, grain, energy, and financial markets coming up next. Keep it right here on Texas Ag Today. Texas Farm Bureau has served farm families in rural Texas for nearly 90 years. We're pleased to offer new affordable health care coverage choices for all Texans through Texas Farm Bureau Health Plans. You do not need to be a member to inquire and apply. Plans are available anytime. There is no open enrollment period. Our United Healthcare Choice Plus network of providers is one of the largest available. For more information about the different plans, how to apply, or to get a quote for you, your family, or your small business, visit tfbhealth.com. We're giving you the market information you need on Texas Ag Today. Live and feeder cattle traded higher on Monday following triple-digit gains on Friday. December live cattle up $1.52 to $166.97. February live cattle up $2.17 to $167.90. April live cattle up $2.20 to $171.50. Feeder cattle were supported by live cattle trading higher on Monday. January feeder cattle up 265 to 217.95. March feeder cattle up $2.52 to 218.60. April feeder cattle up 280 to 222 even. Boxed beef was higher. Choice up $2.44 to 290.45. Select up $3.05 to 260.95. Now let's take a look at those livestock auctions. We're walking the pens with Larry Marble. Rodney Butler from Beeville Livestock in the alleyway with me this morning. Rodney, how did your Friday sale turn out? We had a good sale Friday. We had more cattle than what we've been running. I guess it's getting into the year or so. But I thought that old market was pretty active, especially on your light calves. 
and your heavy cattle might have been a little softer, but they sold really good, I thought. Well, walk the pins with us, Rodney. All right, we had 830 head of cattle, one horse, and two goats. That old market was active. Your 200, 300 pound steers were 275 to 330. Heifers, 207 to 290. 300, 400 pound steers, 245 to 335. Heifers, 213 to 310. 400, 500 pound steers, 225 to 285. Heifers, 204 to 250. 500, 600 pound steers were 214 to 251. Heifers, 190 to 240. 600 to 700 pound steers were $2 to 227. Heifers, $1.79 to 210. And your 700 to 800 pound steers were $1.79 to 205. And heifers were $1.53 to $1.86. Packer cows were steady. They brought anywhere from 53 to 97 cents. Packer bulls brought from 70 to $1.30. Stalker cows brought anywhere from 85 to $1.13. With some bread cows dollaring out around that 12 and a quarter. And we had a few pairs. They brought anywhere from 800 to 1600 Friday, sir. What do we know for this next go-round? I know of a couple of bunches of kids coming this week, but I don't know any big bunches like I did last week, sir. Tell everybody how to get a hold of you, Rodney. Yeah, Young Reach me there at Selborn at 361-358-1727 or call me on my mobile, 645-5002. I'm Larry Marble. That was my guest, Rodney Butler, and you are listening to us right now on Texas Ag Today. Lean hogs traded lower Monday due to concern with long-term pork demand. December lean hogs down 17 cents to 68.25. February lean hogs down $1.65 to 67.32. December class 3 milk up 3 cents to 16.23 a hundredweight. January class 3 milk up 13 cents to 16.47 a hundredweight. The cotton market traded higher on Monday, recovering losses seen on Friday thanks to speculative buying. March cotton up 56 points to 82 even. May cotton up 52 points to 82.56. Corn traded lower Monday due to negative spillover from wheat and little other fresh news. December corn down five and a quarter to 460 and a half. March corn down four to 481 and a half. December hard red wheat down 28 and three quarters to 627. March hard red wheat down 28 and three quarters to 632 and a quarter. May hard red wheat down 29 and a half to 637. January natural gas fell 14 since Monday to 243. February natural gas down 15 cents to 230. January crude oil up nine cents to seventy-one thirty-two a barrel. February crude oil up twelve cents to seventy-one fifty-six a barrel. The Dow up one hundred and one points to thirty-six thousand three hundred and forty-nine. The S and P five hundred up thirteen points to four thousand six hundred and seventeen. And the Nasdaq up eleven points to fourteen thousand four hundred and fifteen. That wraps up this edition of Texas Ag Today. We hope you join us next time for the latest news in Texas agriculture. I'm Jessica Domel, and I hope to see you then. Thanks for listening to Texas Ag Today. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify. For more Texas Ag news and information, check out our website at texasfarmbureau.org or tfbradio.com. Texas Ag Today is a production of the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network.